0: What's cracking, big dogs? Welcome, bike, to the channel. Welcome, bike, to the headquarters. My name is Nicholas. This is BDGE, big dogs. Got to eat. It's Monday morning, Monday afternoon, depending on how big of a piece of shit you are and how late you sleep. Uh, we are recapping this week's NFL games. It was week seven. We're going to dive in game by game, guy by guy. And talk about biggest takeaways for fantasy football. Uh, thank y'all for for hanging out with me. We're on a live stream right now. If you're watching it afterwards, if anyone wants to throw in timestamps as we talk about these things, but we're basically gonna go game by game. So you'll be able to kind of just stream through the little time thing on the bottom. Uh, we're gonna as always light up our little palo santo. Get it cracking in this bitch. we got a few announcements. Uh, we're gonna be live streaming Thursday night football's game, Arizona versus Green Bay, um from the HQ out in the y. Yellen uh studio, aka my living room of my apartment. Animal and snacks and one chains will be there. So we got the whole squad. Animal and one chains are uh, I believe playing against each other in E-Town Get Down this week. So Big implications. Thursday night, Arizona Green Bay. Make sure you set your calendars. Write it on Sharpie on your fucking baby's forehead or whatever. Let y'all know that we are streaming Thursday Night Football's game on YouTube. We'll be doing giveaways. We'll be playing games. Probably drinking margaritas. You know the good shit. Uh, I'll be filming Fade the Public again in the contaminated dungeon for the week. Ooh, smoky in this bitch. As always, if you're new to the channel... Make sure you subscribe. Hit the button down below. Um, And hit thumbs up if you enjoyed the video. We had a wild week. Wild, wild week of football as always. Also, I don't know how many of y'all play on Sleeper, but I just realized in actually two of the different redraft leagues that I'm in, Two of them had their default setting set to fumbles as minus one. So we always play our leagues as fumbles lost minus two, but they had their defaults as fumbles minus one. So I would highly suggest, and that means that every time someone fumbled or lost the fumble, it would be minus three points. And both of my redraft leagues had the default setting set to that, and I didn't realize when I set up the leagues. So if you're in sleeper as a commissioner, I would go check that out. And if it is set to minus one, it's not supposed to be that. Obviously, change it to zero. There's also in Sleeper, if you go to Commissioner Tools, you can go to like edit scores and settings. And then if you go week by week, you can just click recalculate after you change the league settings. And it'll automatically recalculate the scores and shit to retroactively retrograde Mercury and change your scores. Um, So just a little tip and or trick. Let's start off these games. Oh, we have a little upgrade to StreamYard, I see. They allow me to change, to share the screen like this rather than this. So it's a little bit easier for y'all to see. Let me get rid of the socials and let us dive into the game by games. We've got a lot of bye weeks this week, obviously. So we'll probably go a little bit quicker than last time. We'll open up four games at a time. So we'll go quarterly. Broncos Browns was the Thursday night football game. Case Keenum played quarterback, obviously Baker Mayfield. Uh, I'd say 50, 50 to play in this upcoming week. As you could see, the offense ran through Dearness Johnson. So he looked like an absolute fucking beast. 22 carries, 146 on the ground and a touchdown. You know what else I actually wanted to talk about? Y'all ever tried this shit? Super coffee. Sorry, if you're new here, I have extreme ADHD. So shit like this happens all the time. Uh, I went to the CVS and I wanted to grab some sort of caffeine intake substance And I've tried this before, you know, it's, uh, zero added sugar. It's pretty good. It's got 10 grams of protein, only 80 calories, two grams of fiber, which makes up two of the four grams of carbs, three grams of fat. The problem is it's got MCT oil in it. I don't know if any of y'all have ever had MCT oil, but it's like MCT oil is basically, uh, it's, it's really well known in like the keto space or the biohacking space. It's supposedly really healthy for you and good if you're in keto, But it always fucks with my stomach. Shit makes me bubbly as hell. I don't know why. So just be careful if you're ever drinking super coffee. Ease into that shit. Especially if you're new to MCT oil and you start taking that shit. You know, you start cooking with MCT oil, like coconut oil. Shit will fuck you up. Talk about the NFT bubble. I got a bigger bubble inside my stomach right now. Look. So if I throw up on stream, I apologize. Speaking of throwing up, I got... Absolutely hammered on Saturday night. It was the first time I like really, really got drunk in a while. It's my friend's birthday. Um, actually, sorry, we'll get back to the football stuff. We'll save story time for later, maybe if something relevant pops up. Okay. Uh Dearness Johnson, yeah, looking like an absolute snack. However, 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 um Nick Chubb is supposedly going to be back this week, which makes Dearness Johnson a very, very, very secondary play. I do believe that he'll probably have a role in this offense if Kareem Hunt is out for a long period of time. So I think you could probably fire up Dearness Johnson as a, as like a shitty flex play. Let me pull up the NFL schedule grid to see what the Cleveland Browns have on tap here. They have Pittsburgh. So not a great matchup. And they're at Cincinnati in Cincinnati at new England. So I'm not looking forward to starting Dearness Johnson. If Nick Chubb is bike, but it's the way she goes. Uh, The receiving group. Horrible. Odell Beckham. Horrible. Jarvis Landry. First game back. Did lead the team in targets. Eight targets. Five catches. 37 yards. I believe he tweaked something in his knee, but it's not expected to be dangerous. Let me see if we got any updates on Mr. Jarvis. Wasn't the same knee that he had the IR stint for. It was the opposite knee, I believe. But good to see him leading the team in targets okay after limping off late. So it does seem to be uh, fine going forward. And I think you can continue to start Jarvis Landry as a flex play in any half PPR, PPR leagues, because I think he's the best receiver on that team. And he's going to continue to get the most targets uh, on Denver's side of things. This was just an ugly game for everybody involved. Javonta Williams, Melvin Gordon, same shit as every single week. They continue to split carries. And if you want to try to expect them to score touchdowns, what they both ended up doing in the receiving game. You could pull off the start there, but it's a little bit risky every single week. Uh, nothing else really to talk about here. Jerry Judy is expected to return this upcoming week, week, which does cap the ceiling of guys like Cortland Sutton, Noah Fant, pretty much makes Tim Patrick unplayable. He was a nice little, you know, salute to Tim Patrick. Let's give him a nice little salute, everybody out there. Moment of silence salute to Tim Patrick for occupying Wall Street, occupying our flex spots for uh, for a few weeks while Jerry Judy was dead. I'm not necessarily looking to throw Jerry Judy right into my lineups when he returns this week. Started off really strong in week one, but like I do, this is clearly a really, really serious injury. If it if it caused him to make, miss weeks one through eight, like you're talking about a really, real serious injury. So uh, I'm still starting Cortland Sutton. I'm going to start Noah Fant, and I'm not going to start Jerry Judy yet. So we just sit on that. Washington versus Green Bay. On the Green Bay side of things, Rodgers, 274, three touchdowns. It was a beautiful, terrible day for Aaron Jones as well as uh, A.J. Dillon. I think you kind of just write that up to the Washington secondary being terrible and them just going straight pass uh, pass heavy on the offensive front. As you could see, the entire Green Bay team had 15 carries, two of them to Aaron Rodgers, one of them to a wide receiver, Equinemius St. Brown, so really nothing going on the ground there. Uh, in terms of the pass-catching stuff, Alan Lazard has started to heat up a little bit. The only problem is I believe MBS will be off his IR stints this upcoming week, which makes, which makes it a little bit weird there. Uh, if he is not back next week, though, and Alan Lazard can be thrown into your lines, I think. They play Arizona, so they're going to have to score a lot of points. Then they play Kansas City after that, Seattle after that. So a few good matchups to take advantage of for Lazard as a flex play if MBS is not bike. On the flip side of things, Taylor Heineke continues to be a terrible nfl quarterback um, but 95 yards on the ground is kind of sexy antonio gibson continues to be just a terrible terrible fantasy football player him and joe mixon are the same exact player they really really are they're it's funny that player profiler has them as their best comp because gibson is like uh gibson is they both just look clunky and kind of slow like every once in a while they'll have a, a decent explosive play But they just get rammed up the middle on every first and second down, three yards, three yards, two yards, four yards, three yards. And then, like, you hope they get involved in the third down. But, like, Gibson and Mixon, and I've been saying this pretty much since, like, week two, that they're both, like, the best sell-high candidates. They're not even sell-high because they don't do shit. But every single time they have a good game, which, like, a lot of you guys are like, Mixon, top five running back again after last week, and, like, me and Animal were like, nah, that's the flukiest fucking game I've ever seen. They don't play on third downs. They just simply are not used in the passing game. They're not used – on third downs, and it's like really, really fucking obvious. I don't know how people don't understand this. So, yes, every once in a while they score a couple touchdowns, and then people are like, they're back. But, like, no, they're not. They're the second back when it comes to pass catching. So that's a problem for Antonio Gibson. continues to be a problem. But I guess the good news is he didn't look like he was really banged up. He didn't, like, re-injure his shin. The shin didn't look to hamper him except for uh, J.D. McKissick just being – J.D. McKissick's the biggest problem to Gibson right now. Uh, He continues to be the third-down guy, obviously. Terry McLaurin eats, of course. Ricky Seals-Jones continues to be a tight end one as long as Logan Thomas is out. And there's nothing else really to do here on the Washington side of things. I mean, you can continue to play Gibson, but, I mean, you have to realize that he's a low-end RB2 at this point. Chiefs-Titans, man. What can I say about the Chiefs that y'all already have not heard? Really fucking ugly day. Mahomes went into the concussion protocol uh, got right out. He cleared it, so he should be fine to go against the Giants next week. Should be a bounce back game, but like at this point, I don't fucking know, man. I, is is anything a bounce back game for how the Chiefs are playing right now? I think Hayden Winks of our underdog fantasy said it best. Um, he was like, the Chiefs are very top heavy, but their roster from player personnel players nine through fifty three are just not it. They are just a very, very poor team all around, and it's hurting Terry Kill. It's hurting uh, Travis Kelsey. He's kind of like in that Aaron Rodgers mold where, like, a few years ago where he just felt like he could do anything, like he could make any play happen. He could do anything as much as he wants, recklessness, and, uh, and everything will be okay, and we're kind of seeing that not happen. I mean, they're still struggling with these, like, tipped pass interceptions, which have been the story of their season so far. But, I mean, you keep firing up Patrick Mahomes, obviously, as your QB1 in your lineup. Daryl Williams, I believe CEH is going to be out at least another week. So I'm, I'm confident enough to fire up Daryl Williams because, I mean, listen, when you have a day like this, nobody's going to do well. Uh, but he still took – you guys hear that? Am I bugging right now? I'm hearing sounds. I, uh, I think someone's on the phone. Um Drew Williams took 100% of the running back carries. He also got four targets, three catches, 30 yards. So I think he's still a strong flex play against the Giants next week, Green Bay Packers the week after that, who are a pretty bad run defense. So uh, Darrell Williams, I think you fire him up as long as CEH is out, despite the bad week. Same thing with Kelsey and Hill. There's no one else in this passing offense that I actually want a part of, unless Kelsey or Hill miss time, which I don't expect. On the flip side of things, really hard to continue to trust Ryan Tannehill because he's not putting up any prolific passing games. Like, he's not putting – like, 270 yards is fine, but he's not doing, like, the 270 three-touchdown games or the, you know, 400 passing yards, one touchdown, you know, 40 rushing yard games. So, Tannehill continues to be, like, a quarterback two, not so much a low-end quarterback one. Was good to see A.J. Brown bike out there, though, in full fucking strength. All right, so I want to actually check the snap counts for A.J. Brown to make sure – He is fully biked because they had the report that like he was not going to be full strength until week 10. And it felt like he was good enough last week that that was like way too long of a timeline in order for it to be true. So let's see what we got here. AJ Brown. okay. well, week seven, he only played on 62 percent of the snaps. So you have week one, 81 percent, week two, 84 percent, week three, 12 percent, he gets hurt. No week four, week five, 64 Week 679, so he actually played 17% more snaps last week than he did this week, 62%. A lot of that could have to do with the game script, though. They were up 27 nothing at halftime, so I'm going to put that on that. But A.J. Brown looked awesome. He looked great on the deep shots. Took nine of Tannehill's 27 targets, which is... 33% target share. No other player on the team had more than four targets, which is Julio. Julio's clearly a little bit hampered. He only played 43% of the snaps, but I do expect that number to start creeping up a little bit with the hamstring injury. So AJ Brown, you continue to fire him up. Now uh, I f- I feel really confident that Brown's pretty much a wide receiver one going forward. Kind of where you drafted him, like that wide receiver 10 to 12 range. Uh, so feel good about that. Falcons and Dolphins, man. Shout out to the goat, Corderell Patterson. Shout out to the other goat. It's incredible that the Falcons have multiple goats on their team, and they still fucking stink. I'm just kidding. Super Bowl LVI goes through Atlanta. Matt Ryan, 336, two touchdowns. Corderell Patterson takes over the backfield. Corderell Patterson low-key might be a league winner going forward. Might be a league winner. 14 carries, 60 yards, and a touchdown on the ground. Mike Davis just four carries, 10 yards, being basically phased out of the offense. Thank God. Uh, Cordell Patterson, five targets. Didn't do anything with them, though. Two catches, one yard. Obviously, that will flip its script eventually. And uh, just good to see 19 opportunities for Cordell Patterson. And a guy who's explosive, getting flexible opportunities, a lot of passing work, um, red zone work, all that shit. Cordell Patterson is a legit high-end RB2, week in and week out going forward and as we see more and more uh mike davis being phased out of that offense man Cordell is going to be a fucking problem for people going against him in fantasy and don't forget man like jacksonville tampa bay carolina san fran detroit they got a pretty nice schedule over the second half of the year atlanta does um in terms of the pass catching kyle pitts man so kyle pitts tweeted this out earlier today kyle pitts became the first 21 year old rookie tight end ever The first and only in NFL history, rookie 21-year-old tight end to have 160 receiving yards in a game. He's actually the first to go over 140 receiving yards in a game. So he looks like every bit of that number four overall pick that Falcons used on him. I still kind of disagree with taking a fucking tight end there when we need help at quarterback, but whatever. My dynasty teams are happy to have Kyle Pitts. Very glad I got a share of him. He is looking like a fucking beast. And you obviously continue. I think you can make the argument that he's like a num, the tight end. It's Kelsey, Mark Andrews. He's right there. He is right there in the top three four conversation uh, for tight ends going forward. Rest of season. It's Kyle Pitts based Russell Gage. Nice to see a little bit of a good game. He had that one long score that boosted all of his stats. I, I think you got to be really desperate to play Russell Gage because we we have a sample size this year of him just being terrible before that. Calvin Ridley, man. So 10 targets leads the team. Only four catches, 26 yards, does score the touchdown. So I was listening to a couple podcasts today and there's something going on with Ridley. He just doesn't look like the same player that he has looked like the last year or so. And he missed last week's game for a personal reason. And you've got to start thinking like with him, just not looking like the same player is his heart in it. Is there something more going on off the field that's causing him to play like this? Uh, I feel like, there's got to be something behind the curtains that we're not being told about Calvin Ridley, something in his personal life that I feel like is is kind of hindering what we're seeing on the field. So with Ridley, uh, I'm not confident that it's going to get better because now Kyle Pitts is really emerging as one of, if not the top target on the offense for Atlanta. And I also don't trust uh, Matt Ryan to be playing this way. I know everyone's like getting really excited about Matt Ryan, but I mean, he's arguably had the easiest passing schedule in the NFL. Like Miami, sure, it's nice to get excited about what he did this week. Before the bye, he had the Jets. Before that, Washington who was one of the worst secondaries in the NFL. The Giants, Tampa Bay, who you throw like this schedule has been really, really, really shitty. Um as far as like just passing defenses goes. So we'll see what we'll see what Atlanta really is about the next, you know, three, four, five weeks. They got Carolina, so still not a tough matchup at New Orleans, at Dallas, New England. So those three out of four games should really tell us what Matt Ryan and his passing offense are actually uh about. On the flip side of things, Tua had another pretty good game. Some terrible throws, but 291 yards, four touchdowns. Okay, so I actually want to dive into the Deshaun Watson rumors. So there were a lot of rumors last week about him getting moved, and then there was a lot of people coming out after that and saying, like, all that was nonsense and nothing is true here. So with what my understanding was of Deshaun Watson, basically where we stand right now is this. He's not going to be put on the commissioner's exempt list because that is exchange, that is held for people who have committed like felonies, criminal felonies, uh, and some other criteria that Deshaun Watson does not meet. Deshaun Watson is not playing right now for Houston because he doesn't want to play another snap for Houston. They haven't traded him yet, but he's not playing because he can't play, right? Like these charges supposedly will not be dealt with until the offseason, until the summer, at least in court goes, uh, as far as court goes. So if he were to get moved to another team, Next week, my understanding is he would play almost immediately. Obviously, you'd have to learn the playbook, and there's a lot of things that come uh, that come to bear when you move to a new team that he would not be fully ready to go immediately. But he would take over and be the quarterback sooner rather than later for that team because he's not going on the commissioner's exempt list. And the reason he's not playing right now for the Texans is because he doesn't want to play for them. So anyone that has Deshaun Watson – I had Deshaun Watson in my E-Town, E-town get-down I picked him up last week and then dropped him right before the games because my understanding was that he wasn't going to be able to play. That appears not to be the case, okay? So if he is available on your waiver wires, you pick up Deshaun Watson and see what happens before the November 2nd trade deadline. If he is available, you go do that. You go grab him ASAP. You go grab him this Wednesday, especially in Superflex Leagues because it does look like if he does get traded, and that's probably going to happen, uh, he will be the quarterback for a team as well as for your fantasy team at some point in 2021 so situation is confusing but that is what i understand of it as of right now okay let's get bike into that game for miami miles gaskin 15 460 set on the ground also sees four targets 10 catches or 10 yards on four catches uh scores a touchdown so he saves your fantasy day there malcolm brown did get hurt in this game i believe uh it was a quad or something so if he misses time this does give you a little bit more confidence in Miles Gaskin, who has just been wildly inconsistent this year. So they get Buffalo next week, which is a really tough matchup, obviously. Uh, but can can get beat through the air for running backs. And then they play the Houston the week after that. Baltimore, then the Jets, Carolina, the Giants. So Miles Gaskin might be a player that you can kind of confidently start going forward if Malcolm Brown is out because this goes from a committee. Of three shitty running backs down to two shitty running backs, and Miles Gaskin is the least shittiest of the shitty running backs. Um, so I guess I have a little bit more confidence in him. I have a lot of confidence in Mike Gesicki at this point, man. Uh, seven for eighty-five, eight targets. This is just a streak now. This is like the first time in in, a, in I feel like his whole NFL career that he's actually putting together back to back to back games that are like usable and really good for fantasy owners. So. 6 for 57 and a touchdown against the Colts. 7 for 43, or uh, sorry, 5 for 57 and a touchdown against the Colts. 4 for 43 against the Bucs. 8 for 115 last week against the Jaguars. 7 for 85 and a touchdown against the Falcons. And there was a 10 for 86 against the Raiders before all those games. So, like, Mike Isiki's playing a huge part of this offense. And he's, like, the main Beneficiary of Parker and Fuller being out. Jalen Waddle's also been kind of balling out seven for 83 on eight targets. In this one, I am still hesitant to say that like those are both going to be like the premier pass catching weapons in this offense because Parker and Fuller are both out. When those two guys return and then we continue to see Gesicki and Waddle be real things, then I'm okay saying it. Okay. So next week when Parker. And, and uh, full of return. If they both do, I'm gonna be hesitant to start Waddle. I'll still start Gasicki because you have no other choice in this landscape with the tight ends. But um, I'm still a little bit uh, worrisome about that because we've seen this happen in Miami before. When Parker's out, Gasicki eats. When Gasicki's out, Parker eats. Vice versa. We've seen it like five five years in a row now. So I'll keep it at that. All right, we got to start moving down this fucking list a little quicker. Jets, Patriots. Uh-oh. Zach Wilson is supposed to be out two to four weeks with a PCL sprain uh, in his knee bone, knee ligaments, knee joints, whatever you want to call it. Some guy named Mike White takes over, and that all butts destroys this entire offense. What you want to do is be streaming every single defense you possibly can against the Jets because you were already doing that. But now we've moved into the territory where you want to look ahead. If you have an extra roster spot on your roster, And you could jump up one week to roster next week's opponent for the Jets. You want to be doing that because these are going to be league or week winning type defensive starts for your teams. Okay, so next week we have Cincinnati and we have Indianapolis. We have Buffalo. I'm assuming both Cincinnati and Indianapolis are probably on your waiver wire. So you're obviously picking up Cincinnati this week. Go one step ahead and grab. Oh, let's fucking go. Let's go. That's huge. Um indianapolis just got a really awesome text message really fucking important for work that i can't tell you about but some really really oh what the fuck really really important never mind also kind of got bad news right after that fuck uh y'all will be hearing about this very soon really really cool shit what was i saying though um Indianapolis is a good pickup because not only do they play the Jets in two weeks at home, they play Jacksonville the week after that also at home. So you might be able to stream them two weeks in a row. Okay. So that's, that's the game plan on on the Jets. You just want to be streaming every defense against it. Yes. There's going to be a lot of hype up about Michael Carter getting 11 carries to Ty Johnson's five, Tevin Coleman with a healthy scratch, Michael Carter, nine targets, eight catches, 67 yards in the receiving game. This is where I think, this could be something predictive because for the last like five six weeks we've seen the same exact fucking thing play out week over week over week. It's that when um, uh, Michael Carter's taken over the backfield, but the problem is it's not valuable at all. Owning the Jets' starting or number one running back doesn't fucking mean anything, especially when Ty Johnson is getting some of the goal line work, when he's getting some of the pass catching work. Well, what this box score tells me: a lot of the times you can have shitty, you can have shitty quarterback play like Zach Wilson, right? You can have a guy who comes in and is inaccurate, but he's throwing the ball downfield. A lot of times the backups for teams are not aggressive. They don't throw the ball downfield, which leads to a ton of dump-offs, a ton of check-downs because they're not confident in their accuracy downfield. And that's what we saw here. It leads to a ton of targets for the running backs. Uh, it's, It's what you see with, like, Taylor Heineke throwing the ball to J.D. McKissick. It's what you're seeing... Michael Carter, nine targets, Ty Johnson, seven targets. So the running backs are going to get a shit ton of targets in these offenses where the Jets are going to lose every game by 30. So it's going to be, you know, Mike White throwing the ball 30 times and probably, you know, 30% of those targets are going to be going to running back. So I expect Michael Carter uh, to catch, you know, five to seven balls per game going forward. So if he's available in PPR league, sure. Uh, I'm a little bit less excited about it in half PPR leagues. Um, So. That's that. Otherwise, you can't start any pass catching or any pass catching weapons in this on this team besides Carter. New England, Mac Jones looked fantastic. Um, Damian Harris looked fucking fantastic. We know the clear roles now. I love how like people were getting excited about Ramondre Stevenson. They're like, he was a good pickup. Like the only reason he had any work in last week's game, like, oh, yeah, the goal line score. He's the goal linebacker. Like, no, what are you talking? Like, Damian Harris literally limped off the field. He was hurt. It's the only production that that. Ramondre stevenson had so we have the clear roles is damian harris as as the one and two down back the goal line back 14 for 106 two touchdowns looks fucking amazing again every time this guy gets 15 plus carries he looks amazing uh so damian harris balls out as per usual he is uh, he's getting every single carry jj taylor seems to be his direct handcuff his backup and got a lot of work got a lot of goal line work because the patriots got up by 50 fucking points so jj taylor is the handcuff to damian harris it seems like brandon bolden the clear james white role Uh, catches six or seven targets 79 yards and a touchdown so again ppr play brandon bolden's been putting together uh some legit ppr games so if you're hurting at running back and you're in a ppr league you need a flex play you need an rb2 or three or whatever brandon bolden can absolutely get it done for you another touchdown list game for jacoby myers drink jonah smith i believe might have got hurt in this one they were scheming him up a bunch of fucking uh receptions and receiving plays and just weaponry plays in the beginning of the game, but then, uh, but then he got ousted. So keep an eye on that, which would make Hunter Henry, obviously a lot more intriguing. No one else is really intriguing in the passing game. Kendrick Bourne is kind of interesting though. I would, I would pick him up if I was in a dynasty league because Kendrick Bourne is a uh, Kendrick Bourne. I feel like was, was a pretty good player prior to coming to the Patriots, and then they invested, like, real money into this guy to be their slot-wide receiver. And he's been coming on the last couple of weeks, you know, making plays in the receiving game, uh, 6'1", 203. So he's got some legit size, and he has that, like, agility score where he's got, like, a similar profile to a guy like Julian Edelman where he's not fast, he doesn't have good breakaway speed, he's not going to kill you downfield, but, like, the agility is big because you get the ball in his hands, and he's going to be able to make guys miss. And he's not, like, a small slot receiver, right? Six one two zero three 203 is good enough size. So I, I would keep an eye on Kendrick Bourne. if you're in a dynasty league, obviously that has rosters of like 26 to 30 players. It's kind of the takeaways from that game. Panthers, Giants, Sam Darnold, bro. Oh my goodness. Just one of the worst performances we've seen from a quarterback in a long time. Got benched, but he will be the starter next week. I do think, uh, again, if you're in a dynasty superflex league, PJ Walker does need to be, Rostered because who knows when they're going to just completely pull the plug on Sam Darnold. Chuba Hubbard operates as the ever-down back again, but doesn't mean much in an offense that scores three fucking points. Other takeaways, um, nothing else. For the tenth week in a row, I'm telling you that Robbie Anderson is obviously droppable on the New York side of things. Shout out to Daniel Jones for actually having a pretty good game despite not having any fucking weapons in there for him. With Shepard out, Kadarius Tony out, Kenny Galladay out, Saquon Barkley out, uh, Devontae Booker did save his day because he uh, scored a touchdown late in the game still operating as an every down back pretty much Elijah Penny a little bit more work than we're comfortable seeing but again garbage time stuff take on Barkley is i believe he's like a kind of a coin toss to return this week 50-50 at this point some people some doctors have said that uh he's probably a little bit further off than, than we actually think. But then again, they're saying some other people are saying that he might come back this week. So keep a close eye on that. I think you can play Devontae Booker again this week for sure. If Saquon misses, they're playing Kansas city. So obviously a defense that we can exploits uh, receiving Darius Slayton, five for 63, Evan Ingram, six for 44 Dante Pettis, Dante Pettis, the resurrection is here, baby five for 39 and a tug. Nothing too exciting. He does score the touchdown, which obviously boosts his numbers, but, I do expect one or two, one, if not two, or if not three of these guys to be back next week, Shepard, Tony, whatever. So we'll cross that bridge when we get there. Bengals versus Ravens, man. Holy shites. Bengals, 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 Bengals. Uh, Joe Burrow has ignited this city, man. Joe Burrow has absolutely ignited the city. Um, as I said before, there's a lot of takeaways from this entire offense here. Joe Burrow... um, for 416 yards, three touchdowns, career high in, in yards. Love to see it. Running back situation. As I said, Joe Mixon is an easy, easy sell high candidate. If you can, if you can push him off these back to back touchdown games, move him, please. I'm telling you, move Joe Mixon. Joe Mixon is he, zero catches this week. Samaj P. Ryan is like the pass catcher. Joe Burrow slings the fucking ball. It's the same problem that we saw in Kansas City with Clyde. We're like Clyde's not getting enough pass catching work. It's because Patrick Mahomes does not settle for dump offs. He doesn't do that. He's a slinger. Same thing with Joe Burrow, man. They, he doesn't settle for dump offs to running backs. He doesn't want three yards. He wants thirty yards to Jamar Chase, and it happens frequent fuckingly. So, Samaj P. Ryan very involved in this game. Yes, he had like the scamper at the end of the at the end of the game for that forty-six yard touchdown, but he had the only catch for a running back, and he's again he's like the two minute drill guy. He is a third down pass catching back. It is not Joe Mixon. Um, and it's going to kill any upside that you think he has. So, yes, yeah, so he'll have his games where he rushes for 80 yards and a touchdown. But, like, you're going to tell me the ceiling is 15 fantasy fucking points. Get him the fuck yeah out here. All right. Uh, receiving wise, Jamar Chase continues to fucking ball out eight for 201 yards and a tug on 10 targets. So also tweeted this out, kind of going off the Kyle Pitt stat. Jamar Chase becomes, I believe it was, yeah, the second rookie or the second 21-year-old or younger wide receiver since 1980 to top 200 yards in a game. The other one is Mike Evans. I wouldn't say ever. He's the third wide receiver 21 years or younger to top 200 yards in a game. It was Mike Evans and some other fucking fraud from like 1962. So I didn't feel like ruining the stat by putting that guy's name in it. Uh, CJ Ozuma, three for 91 and two touchdowns on just three targets. I do think CJ Ozuma is actually like a a decently... Good streaming option, not because he's getting the volume, as you can clearly see. He did not, right? T. Higgins led the team with 15 targets, Jamar Chase 10, Tyler Boyd 7, and then Ozoma had 3. Um, but CJ Ozoma, as you saw in this game, he's a big-time playmaker. Like, he's a really athletic player. Let me pull up his player profile. So he is capable of making these big plays. They're not very, like, fluky uh when he gets in the open field. All you have to do is watch the game. I can tell you that he's not fluky. So 4'6", 91st percentile for weight-adjusted speed score, right? 263 pounds, runs a 4'6", 7'40", and he's clearly the, the top pass catcher there. So it was almost a guy that I'd be picking up if I was in tight end premium leagues. T. Higgins. Well, Joe Mixon is my favorite sell-high candidate, T. Higgins is actually my favorite buy-low candidate. Uh, they're just not connecting right now, but 15 targets, man. 15 targets. The touchdowns are going to come. Eventually this team will stop scoring from 50 yards out every time and they'll get into the red zone, which is where I think T Higgins will prosper. All Right. When they score from 40, 50, 60 yards out every time Jamar, if that's Jamar Chase's money zone, that's where he's getting his bag. But when T Higgins gets close to the end zone, when they're inside the 20, when they're inside the 10, when they're inside the five, that's going to be fucking T Higgins land. All right. That's going to be T Higgins central. And that's where the touchdowns are going to start coming in. So I love T Higgins as a buy low candidate last, uh, this week. Last week, we had Michael Pittman and Chase Claypool as our favorite by Lowe's. Tiggins goes right into that into that mold right there of these young wide receivers who uh, haven't really put it together yet. On the flip side, just ugly, ugly, ugly. No, no confidence in any of these running backs. I did start Devonta Freeman, I think, in multiple places. Saved my ass, three catches, 25 yards through the air and got into the end zone uh, for a rushing touchdown, which was monumental. Tyson Williams, two carries, ten yards. You love to see it. Le'Veon Bell um, continues to take pain killing medicine before each carry. Literally moving in slow motion. I cannot believe they continue to give this guy carries. It makes him, I don't know what they see on film. I don't know what kind of gun he's using to put to their coaching staff's foreheads. But it's ugly out here. Marquise Brown continues to ball. fourteen fucking targets. Holy shit! Um, five for eighty and a touchdown through the air, so you continue to put him out there as a top 24 wide receiver every week. Rashad Bateman, man, six targets, three for 80. you love to see it. So, obviously, a lot of this had to do with game scripts where they're passing the ball a shit ton, uh, but it's very clear that the only guys they really trust in this passing offense are Hollywood, Rashad Bateman, Mark Andrews. So, Rashad Bateman is definitely a viable flex play going forward. Eagles Raiders. All right, uh, so, Jalen Hurts. Yeah. This is what I talked about two weeks ago. Remember when everybody, uh, I mean, Twitter, fantasy Twitter is just like a hive of people saying the same shit over and over again. And everybody was like, look at, look at the progression from Jalen Hurts, what he became from Alabama. So now he progressed so well. And I was like, okay, just wait one or two weeks where he has a bad game. And then no one's saying that anymore. And cue exactly what fucking happened. Uh, The big injury in this game, Miles Sanders though, uh, rolls up his left ankle or his right. I don't know what ankle. Every fantasy doctor, basically said that it looked like a low ankle sprain and not serious however saquon barkley's low ankle sprain ended up being a little bit more serious obviously multi-week then miles sanders takes a cart off the field or off the sideline whatever which tells you it's probably a little bit more serious than just a low ankle sprain or at least a really bad one so this could lead to a fracture i don't believe we've had any updates on like an mri from miles sanders yet let me see if we see anything Now, he's going to undergo x-rays, but they did not give us anything yet on the severity of the ankle. What we do have, though, is uh, a really solid waiver wire pickup in Kenneth Gainwell. I would I would much rather own Gainwell than Boston Scott. Boston Scott did out-carry Gainwell 7-5, to you can see. Uh, seven carries, 24 yards, and a touchdown on the ground for Boston Scott, Gainwell had five carries for 20 yards, but Gainwell had eight targets in this game, one behind Devontae Smith for the team lead, four catches, 41 yards. He scores through the air, where Boston Scott only saw two targets, caught one of them for five yards. Kenneth Gainwell, let me pull this down for you guys. You can see from Adam Leviton's last tweets, uh, Miles Sanders left after 12 snaps yesterday. Other running backs in a major trailing game flow. Kenny Gainwell, thirty-five snaps, twenty-four routes. Boston Scott, twenty-three snaps, twelve routes. So, as you can see, Gainwell did out snap Boston Scott, thirty-five to twenty-three, and ran twenty-four routes to Boston Scott's twelve. So, in my opinion, I would much rather have Gainwell. I don't think they're going to lean on either. I mean, they were giving Miles Sanders fucking four carries a game before this, so they're not going to be like, okay, Miles Sanders is out. Let me give one of these ca- one of these running backs twenty carries. All right. So, you want the pass catching back there, anyways, because the the running running back in this fucking backfield really doesn't mean anything to begin with they get detroit next week then they get the chargers who are a terrible run defense so you have back-to-back weeks in which i think gainwell uh and even probably boston scott is like a flex play this is going to be a committee but i would rather own gainwell uh both both weeks i think Gainwell will be startable as a flex guy there so kind of like uh gainwell probably the top running back pickup on the wire this week just because it's pretty fucking bare right now goddard Finally gets a little bit unlocked, as we see with Zach Ertz uh, when we get to the Cardinals game. Both of them are now tight end ones, for sure. Uh, Goddard goes three for 70 on five targets, so you continue to roll him out there as a tight end one. Devontae Smith is, I feel like he goes five for 60 every week with down games. Um, so hard to have confidence in him, but I think you continue to roll him out as a as a flex play. As Philly gets you know Detroit next week. Uh, on the Raiders' side of things, Derek Carr balls the fuck out. 31 of 34 passing, 323 yards, two touchdowns. The biggest storyline here is Josh Jacobs, I believe, hurt himself as well. Uh, let's see if we've got any new news. I don't think it's supposed to be serious, but Josh Jacobs is basically hurt every week. True. Left early due to a chest injury, but avoided serious injury per Tom Palacero. Uh, Oh, they're on a bye week eight, so it's not really a big deal anyways. I would say we we would like to roster Kenyon Drake, though, because he's getting super involved in the offense, and Josh Jacobs continually uh, is hurt. The other player hurt in this team, in this roster, was Darren Waller. So he twisted up his ankle or some shit. Ended up missing this week. Foster Moreau filled in. I do expect Darren Waller to be back following the buy if he's not then you could fire up foster Monroe you could fire up Hunter Renfro uh, Hunter Renfro because he gets all those over the middle targets when Darren Waller is not there let's see what else we got here four more games oh I like when teams are on by it's kind of sexy and uh teams that are on the buy coming up next week let's see we have Just the Raiders and the Ravens. Is that correct? They only have two fucking teams on by this week. All right. Just the Raiders and the Ravens on this week coming up. Uh, Lions Rams. This was just a fucking clown show of a game. Jared Goff somehow starts off the game with a 63-yard touchdown pass to DeAndre Swift and then finishes with 11 fantasy points. So Jared Goff is fucking terrible. Really bad. Um... I saw a stat somewhere. Someone was pointing out like Jalen Hurts's fantasy points by quarter, and like 75% of his fantasy points have come in, in like the fourth quarter or some shit. I kind of want to find that. Where is it? Jalen Hurts's fantasy points by quarter. First quarter, 33.8, second quarter, 26.3, third quarter, 38.6, fourth quarter, 75.9. I honestly feel like prior to this game, when DeAndre Swift took that 63-yard uh, catch to the house, that that's like DeAndre Swift as well. I should actually ask Daigle. I should have been like, do, do DeAndre Swift now. Uh, but DeAndre Swift is just balling out in every aspect of the game now. 13 for 48 on the ground, except for on the ground. So take that back. Uh, but, I mean, 10 more targets, 8 catches, 96 yards, and a fucking touchdown. Just unbelievable Work that he's doing through the ground. Um, someone tweeted out, I believe, that Swift is on pace to see 180 carries and 100 targets. Yeah, Adam Leviton. DeAndre Swift now on pace for 189 carries and 102 catches, 72 17 game season. So a little corny for that tweet, but would join Christian McCaffrey, Ladanian Tomlinson, and Matt Forte as the only running backs in history with 180 plus carries and 100 targets or 100 catches. So, That is fucking disgusting. Uh, But DeAndre Swift is going to be a top flight RB1 in PPR leagues because of his involvement in the passing game. Um, Great game from Amara St. Brown. And I mean great game. I mean you could drop his fucking ass. Khalif Raymond, eight targets, six catches, 115 yards. He's been getting some work, I guess. He's like wildly inconsistent, but like they got no one else to throw to. Seven targets last week. But, I mean, if you look at the, the yardage totals of the last games before this, 37 yards, zero yards, 46 yards. So I'm not really about to spend any fab dollars on Cleve fucking Raymond. Uh, On the flip side of things, nothing else really to take away from here. Henderson still the workhorse. Cooper Cup still the GOAT. Robert Woods, six for six and 70 yards. That's really it. Everything we thought we knew about the Rams, we fucking knew. Texans Cardinals. Same thing here with the Texans. You're just never starting their quarterback. You're never starting their running back. I will say Tyrod Taylor has returned to practice. So if you are in desperate need of a a super flex quarterback and he is available on your waiver wire, Tyrod Taylor will likely be starting as soon as he gets back to full health. No one else is startable on this team. Uh, Brandon Cooks. He's a desperate flex play. Say what you want. People keep saying like you should keep starting him. But like I I don't understand how you could say that. Maybe with Tyrod back, you get a little bit more confidence in him, but like, I still think this passing, team, this passing offense is not going to be good, even with Tyrod Taylor back. Uh, on the flip side, Kyler Murray, 260 yards passing, three touchdowns and an interception. He adds 10 yards on the ground. So disappointing day for uh, Kyler on the ground, but gets it done during the times when he throws the ball. We had Zach Ertz and A.J. Green tie for the team lead, uh, 66 yards. You thought DeAndre Hopkins was going to have a bigger day because this is a revenge game. Thought it was going to be a big fuck you. You could see that they forced it to him a bunch of times. It just didn't really work out too well. Uh, Seven catches, 53 yards. Did score the touchdown, though. Nine targets, which was a really big target share. So I guess that was good to see. But the other big thing here is uh, Chase Edmonds, 15 carries, 81 yards. James Conner, 10 carries, 64 yards. He gets the touchdown, of course. I, I really, I really, and uh, and Mike tweeted out something today that was pretty, pretty accurate. Chase Edmonds is basically the Jacoby Myers of running backs. Um, I really don't think Chase Edmonds is going to score a touchdown this year. I really like someone tweeted at someone. Someone had such a fucking bad tweet. Let me see. Chase Edmonds is up to 95 touches without a touchdown this season. The premier buy low in fantasy football, yeah. The premier buy low in fantasy football if you don't want to win games. Like this is so, like he's not a good buy low. He doesn't what what people like when you say he doesn't score like his touchdown should regress based on fucking what he gets no goal line carries. He gets barely any red zone touches. Like why why should nothing about his game is predictive of scoring more touchdowns? Like yes, he might score a touchdown in the next two weeks. That doesn't make him a good bilo candidate. Nothing about his game is predictive of being good going forward. Will he continue to get 10 to f- 14 fucking touches? Sure. Will they be touchdown predictive touches? Absolutely fucking not. So no, no, he's not a good bilo candidate. He's a guy that's going to get you 10 points every single week, but uh, I, I don't understand how that that's not going to win you fucking games. Uh, the Bears, holy shit, this was a bad game. But Khalil Herbert, the GOAT, I told y'all. I told y'all on Saturday. I didn't know why. I had a gut feeling that Khalil Herbert was going to just go the fuck off. Khalil Herbert is legit. Khalil Herbert is really, really good at the game. Uh, He was in our Dynasty Guide. Let me actually check this out real quick. In our Dynasty Rookie Guide, I released a novel this offseason. Uh, our favorite... Late-round rookie draft targets at he, at running back. Number one on this motherfucking list was Khalil Herbert, who was going at 4.08 in rookie drafts. 4.08 in rookie drafts. And I went on and on and on about Khalil Herbert and why he's the GOAT. And now he's a GOAT. Jared Dokes, Miami, that shit didn't work out. Chris Evans, good fucking pick for an undrafted free agent. He'll have value sooner rather than later. Um, anyways, anywho, Khalil Herbert, absolutely goaded. The question becomes when David Montgomery comes bike in a couple weeks, what happens? I still think it's very much David Montgomery's backfield, but we're gonna see that. We're gonna see that committee go from touches to David Montgomery, probably down to like 65 to 70. So he goes from an RB1 to probably an RB2. And Khalil Herbert will get, I would say, eight plus touches a game. Not going to be playable because, as you can see, this offense fucking stinks. But Khalil Herbert is simply too good at this point to, to just sit outright. Took him two games to take over and just be a fucking beast. So 18 carries 100 yards for him, catches five of five targets for 33 yards. Uh, yes, Damien Williams is droppable. As you could see, they're not going to use him. He is just so much worse than Khalil Herbert is. Sorry, guys. Passing side of things, uh, Mooney and Allen Robinson, in my opinion, are both very much droppable. Yes, both very much droppable. Uh, that's pretty much it for the Bears. Obviously, you can't start Justin Fields, Tampa Bay. Lenny continues to just fucking lock in, lock in Lenny over here. Godwin and Evans obviously balled out with Antonio Brown and Gronk both out. I do expect both of them to be back next week, so we'll probably see a little bit more sporadicness in terms of the passing offense there for Tampa Bay. They play at New Orleans next week, and then they get their bye in week nine, but then they got a great fucking slate of four games following their bye at Washington, New York Giants, at Indianapolis, at Atlanta. And remember their playoff games, week 16 and 17 at Carolina at the New York Jets. So if you could buy Antonio Brown right now, I would definitely, definitely do so. You're not going to be able to buy any other parts of this offense, though. Colts versus the 49ers. Our Sunday Night Football game is the last game on the slate. Carson Wentz, man, like I've been saying, he's been locked in. He's been locked the fuck in. Didn't ask him to pass a lot in this game, but he's looked, his deep ball has looked fucking pretty, man. We connected with Michael Pittman on that 57-yarder early on in the game. Michael Pittman was my favorite buy-low candidate last week. Uh, he balled out, and I think he will continue to do so. Him and, him and uh, Wentz just have a great, great connection. And listen to this fucking lineup of games over the next six weeks. Tennessee. Tennessee at home, the New York Jets at home, the Jacksonville Jaguars at home, Buffalo on the road is obviously shit, but then Tampa Bay at home at the Houston Texans, man. This is going to be a six game stretch in which you want a lot of pieces of this offense in Indianapolis. Carson Wentz is going to be a QB one. Jonathan Taylor is going to be a running back one. Michael Pittman is going to be a top 15 fantasy wide receiver. The offensive line is healthy. Quentin Nelson is bike. Mo Ali Cox, bro. He is another one that I kind of said to, uh, I didn't kind of say, I just said he was a good pickup this week with um, T.Y. Hilton out, Paris Campbell out. T.Y. Hilton probably going to be back next week, but we'll see. Keep an eye on that. Paris Campbell is going to be out, obviously. Um, but Ali Cox, man, he continues to score touchdowns, continues to be really involved in the red zone. So that's the thing, right? He might not get a ton of volume between the 20s, but as soon as they get in the red zone, it's all Mo Alley Cox. So that's kind of predictive, right? Or Chase Edmonds, not fucking predictive. Mo'Ally Cox, very predictive. On the flip side of things, Jimmy Garoppolo, man. So, all right, all right, all right. Interesting shit, because Jimmy G sucks. He sucks straight asshole, like straight tongue to butt cheek hole. Really bad. He Kyle Shannon would not come out and say that Jimmy G is a starter for them going forward. I have a weird feeling that Trey Lance might just start for the rest of the season. They do play at, at Chicago then Arizona, then the Rams. So it's a very tough slate of defenses coming up. So maybe he wants to give Jimmy one or two games to just kind of embarrass him and then let Trey Lance kind of run rampant. Cause after the Rams, they get Jacksonville, Minnesota, Seattle, Cincinnati, Atlanta, Tennessee, Houston. So a really fucking strong finish to the year. If they put Trey Lance in there and he gets Jacksonville, Minnesota, Seattle, Cincy, Atlanta, Tennessee, Houston, he's going to go bonkers. So This is the time to pick back up Trey Lance in one quarterback leagues. He was actually dropped in the E-Town Get Down League, uh, which is a super flex league. Unfortunately, I have no fab left, so I'm probably not going to be able to get Trey Lance or Deshaun Watson. But Trey Lance is about to go fucking off if he is a starter. Pick him the fuck back up if he is available on your waiver wire. Elijah Mitchell goes off 18 carries, 170 yards on the ground and a touchdown Um, does not get involved at all. Through the air, Jamichael Hasty has six targets though, so that's something to keep an eye on. Although he did almost nothing with those targets, he did put Kyle Juszek back into the bottle though. So Youchek was taking a lot of those targets from the backfield. Jamichael Hasty took all of them, six of them. Uh, yeah, so Elijah Mitchell, the clear RB one in this offense, so you continue to fire him up as a really, really strong RB two in fantasy. Brandon Ayuk, this is all we needed to see. Well, I guess that's all I needed to see. I needed to see eight weeks of it. And uh, Brandon Ayuk is being dropped by me in every league that I own him in. I thought maybe coming off the bye without George Kittle, they would get him more involved. Not the case. It is still clearly just straight up the Debo Samuel show. So Debo Samuel continues to be a wide receiver one. Brandon Ayuk continues to be the wide receiver 101. So drop his ass. No one else will start here, really, in San Francisco. It's Debo. It's Elijah Mitchell. And it's Trey Lance if he does get thy start. Uh I think that's everything I've got for this week. Did I miss anything? Any big injuries that I missed? Uh make sure you hit the thumbs up button obviously if you enjoy, subscribe to that channel if y'all are new. Yeah, for real. What the fuck? 464 live viewers, 25 likes. Rude as hell. Number one waiver claim on Gainwell? I think no, but I don't know. Uh, It depends. It depends uh, what Sanders' injury is. Like, if it's just a low ankle sprain, then probably not. But, like, if you really need a running back, then I probably would. Like, Gainwell's an explosive back. Gainwell's really good at pass catching. So, like, he could have a lot more upside than we're giving him credit for right now. <laughs> All right. Yes. Ayuk is dead. This show is dead. I love y'all. And I'll see you tomorrow on the waiver wire video. Again, make sure you put the notification bell on because we're going live. We are streaming Thursday Night Football's game, Packers versus Cardinals, me snacks animal, and Stevie One Chains will be your announcers for the game. I love you. I'm out. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile.